Revolting is a production of the Cycling Independent, with support from our generous subscribers and from Shimano North America. This is Revolting with Steve Lynn Robot on the Cycling Independent, episode 102, Some Call Collect. Content warning, you're not going to like this, especially if bad words upset you, especially if you're embarrassed by the basic functions of your own body. It's okay. We'll give you a second to find an NPR podcast that's more to your tastes. Goodbye and good luck. Uh, yeah, this is Revolting. I'm Steve That's Robot. We're here in the 102nd episode. We're not going to talk about last week's episode because I don't remember it. What we're here to talk about is the 102nd episode, the new one. But we're also going to talk about Robot got on today's call and he's so low energy. He's got a cold. And if there's one thing I know about men, that when they get a cold, they turn into total babies. Yeah. I feel like a total baby today. Um, my, my cold symptoms aren't, I don't even know what's wrong with me. I have like a little sore throat and a little post nasal drip, but I just feel dead inside. I mean, even more than usual. <laughs> and, um, I took a, I told you before we got on here, I took an expired COVID test and it said not pregnant. So, um, I don't know, but the show must go on, steve Gets you in. know, people are like, when are we going to get the hundred and second hour of those <laughs> baboons Ooh, uh, get flinging, some, get hurling some, shit at each other? Get some good food-based vitamin C, uh, like uh, ester C, and uh, some yin chow. Get the yin chow in the white bottle with the little Chinese guy on the label. And take a lot of vitamin C, like, all day, like, till you're almost shitting yourself. And a couple of yin chow, and it'll burn whatever you got right out of your system. I I will try that. I, I want to, yeah, I'm going to order some, um, spicy Thai basil fried rice. Cause that'll, that'll, uh, that'll purge the system. I'll tell you last night I went to bed and I was really hoping I could sleep all of this off, but I couldn't get to sleep. And my wife, you know, is there in the bed next to me and I began to have rampant flatulence. Oh, fun for her. Yes. Fun for both of you, just for different reasons. Yes, rampant flatul uh rampant illness based flatulence. And uh so I got up about ten thirty because I got in bed, you know, we just we just saved all the daylight. I got in the bed about eight thirty and um I got up at ten thirty and went down and slept on the couch and just filled the entire living room with you know farted yourself, bit- almost farted yourself to death. Yes. That's a thing. Yes. Hasn't that happened? I feel like I read an article about somebody who farted themselves to death. Is that a fact? <laughs> I have to, have to Google that. <laughs> is that a scientific fact now, is it? <laughs> oh, it could be. I don't know. I think, you know, uh, okay, so when I was in college, I ate these spicy peppers with the falafel, you know, and I went in, uh, to my girlfriend's house, fell asleep. Uh, woke up, she was not in the bedroom anymore. And I went in the living room and I was like, what's going on? She's like, dude, that was the worst thing I've ever experienced in my life. What is going on <laughs> with you? And I think just before this, we had read an article about this woman who was having horrible, ga- what is gastrointestinal distress mm. and went in for surgery and they began operating on her and such a cloud emitted from the incision that it made everyone in the room like violently ill maybe killed one of the techs and what she what she had done was she had she had tried to commit suicide by drinking um some concoction of pesticide and something else and it was uh it hadn't yet killed her but it was such noxious fumes that it it like did these people in the uh or in 
And so my girlfriend, that was like fresh in my girlfriend's mind. And she was like, oh my God, he, he drank some pesticide and now he's going to fart us both into oblivion. It's the only time that I know that that's happened though. I was quite embarrassed. My wife made a delicious cauliflower, cauliflower dish last night. And I think that was probably, I had two helpings and I think probably one helpings was the correct number of helpings. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's it. But I went, you know, I went Saturday night. It would, It's Tuesday today. Saturday night, I went to a rock and roll performance. You sure did. By a uh, an ensemble called Quicksand. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that somehow in the fervor, in the crowd's fervor and enthusiasm, they imparted whatever this illness is to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being in crowds is a real gamble. Being on airplanes, being around people, really. I mean, people are the worst. Um, Yeah, it's just, I mean, just in stop. That's all I can say about that. Well, I hope you feel better. Uh, Get some papaya enzymes and some charcoal pills while you're at it, and that'll absorb all of whatever's fucking destroying your guts. I think you're just making shit up now. No, I'm not. I know some things. Oh, you're going to get a... You're going to want a papaya extract. You'll need a fax machine. Papaya um, enzymes. They used to have a chewable papaya enzyme at Trader Joe's. It was so good. If you had uh, like an upset stomach or you were really full, like you just ate too much cauliflower, uh, yep. you eat some of those and it settles the whole mess. But they, Interesting. they stopped making those and now um, you got to go. I mean, there's other papaya enzymes, but those ones were my favorite. Yeah, I know some things. You sure do. You're, uh, you're basically a doctor. What are we? Uh, what are we doing today? We got uh, shout outs. We got. Sh- oh, you got a shout out. I got a shout out. Let's do. Oh, what's your shout out? Shout it out. Well, Zane, wow. our buddy Zane down in New Zealand, sent me a record, and uh, I'll be damned if I can remember what it was called because <laughs> I didn't really prepare. <laughs> <laughs> I rarely do. Uh, but he sent me a record, which must, it must've cost, you know, like $500 to send this record from New Zealand to Bellingham, Washington. But, uh, he did. And I thought that was a very thoughtful gesture. Uh, it's good. I'll figure it out. I'll mention it next week. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to, oops, I just want to say thank you for that. Uh, or to him for that. It was a real nice thing to get in the mail. Um, and, uh, you know, again, to people who keep tuning in here. Uh, Mickey mentioned our friend Mickey Vukovic in San Diego. He mentioned a fucking course. I've listened to er You keep saying like who has listened to all of the episodes. He's like, of course I've listened to all the episodes. Everybody, anybody who's on this thing has been listening to every episode. He's convinced that people are committed, which was nice to hear. But um, yeah, thanks to folks for continually tuning into this. You know, you're all a little screwed up in the heads, but we appreciate it. Yeah, uh, we do appreciate it. I, I also, I have a shout out for Martin Alvarez who came out with me with a music recommendation that I haven't listened to yet, <laughs> but I very much will. <laughs> and uh, I, I had a follow up from Shane Walker. Shane Walker in the hundredth episode had submitted the question: How do you fit a new donkey into an old do- an old donkey oh, yeah, into yeah. a new donkey? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, And I wanted to shout him out because he was like, yeah, I'm just chuckling at you guys from afar. (laughs) But then I went this morning as I was getting my act, all of my ducks were in a row. Um, I I Googled, how do you fit? Because I was like, there's a joke here. There must be. (laughs) But it turns out that the joke is just me reading an article about getting ready for your new donkey, (laughs) which is like, (laughs) which is... (laughs) Uh, for people who get a donkey, because some people just get donkeys. Uh-huh. And I'll be honest. No, at first, I was like, "Fuck you, Shane." <laughs> because you thought then, you said you you thought uh you thought we're making it like inadvertently making jokes about like rubbing balls on our face or something like that. Yeah, that's what I thought, but I found no evidence of that. But what I did find after like five minutes of research, and and cursing Shane aloud. Uh, in my fart smelling living room, I was like, Hmm, a pet donkey, Mm -hmm. you know? And then, and then it took me like another three minutes to like back out of that whole cul-de-sac where I was like, no, I, 
can't have a donkey. I guess that would make sense. I mean, I don't know. Donkeys like semi-territorial. It'd be like introducing a puppy to your established dog or kittens to your established dog or cat or whatever the situation is. Like, make how do you fit a new donkey and an old donkey? Was that the question? How do you? But his the question was how do you fit an old donkey or new donkey into? I forget which way it went into. But actually, in the googling. There was all these these guidelines for introducing a new donkey to, you know, the donkeys the, you already the have. The donkeys that you already have because, you know, yeah. everybody's got donkeys. I saw a video yesterday. Uh, a woman gave a donkey one of those screaming uh, chicken horn toys. And he was so excited. He loved it. Like, you know, people who assume that animals can't uh, uh, experience joy or fear or whatever. It's like, oh, no, you can fucking eat a cow because they're just like big dumb animals you know but then you're like you see a donkey fucking stoked with a <laughs> screaming chicken toy like running around in circles honking it and you just like it's the best thing ever the donkey was this donkey was the happiest donkey i've ever seen i'm uh, not gonna eat any more donkeys I i'm gonna eat any more donkeys that uh, seals it <laughs> <laughs> i did go to castaic which is like this town that's basically a truck stop it sucks I, we were doing runs to LA when I worked for the art handling company. And for some reason, this guy, Chris, who I worked with, he, he had done, God, he'd done all kinds of like, he was like a long haul trucker by his, by trade or his, that was his career. And he drove the big trucks for this company I worked for. And we would do runs to LA to pick up sculptures or furniture, whatever the fuck we were doing down there. And, um, he loved this town Castaic, which is as I said, little more than just a truck stop. It's just a town based on a truck stop and it fucking sucks. And my hotel room sucked and it was a big chip in the TV, which I can only assume got there by somebody throwing their revolver at the TV and the carpet was wet. And I think I got locked inside of my room, but we ate at this Mexican food restaurant and all of the meat was kind of the same shade and texture and stuff. And I was sure that everything was donkey meat. Like that's oh. what my instinct, that's what my instinct told me. Uh, so fuck a steak. I think that's how you pronounce it. Some shithole on I-5. Castaic. It sounds like a skin <laughs> disease. I think you get castaic from staying in castaic. You might from that wet carpet. Say it enough times and it doesn't even sound like a word anymore. Um, yeah. So, okay. We're getting ready for your new donkey. We figured that out. Finally, I'm glad to put that to bed. <laughs> Uh, moving on. Oh, Shane, you wily devil, you. <laughs> now we'll get on to uh, music picks, and I'm, I like yours. So mine is, everyone's doing, so I went to see Quicksand, uh, the Quicksands on, and my wife pointed out, actually, the next day, she's like, remember when we were kids and Quicksand, like the actual stuff, featured as a, as a perilous obstacle in mm -hmm. a lot of popular media? Mm-hmm. And now we're just not worried about quicksand at all. I did see a, a tweet at one point. It said, you know, like my childhood prepared me to deal with quicksand a lot more regularly than I than I actually have as an adult. <laughs> right. And it was it's true. I mean, I was like scared of being outside. And I remember asking my parents very pointedly, like, is this a thing I need to worry about? And my dad's like. Oh, my God, I can't believe I brought this fucking idiot into the world. That was probably his. <laughs> first response but then secondly he said no this doesn't exist in colorado you're fine but i was fascinated by it and yeah and scared and and yeah and then we don't we don't even talk about quicksand anymore in the 70s it was like oh you're gonna fall in quicksand or a tarantula is gonna get on you <laughs> that was a real serious deal yeah yeah uh uh, so quicksand who was playing guitar for them this time around Stephen Brodsky man that dude's busy he's very busy he performs uh like a he's a dervish mm -hmm. he brought a lot of the energies to the show he's a talented the whole show was highly energetic talented cat for sure yeah um uh, also uh Stephen Brodsky mutoid man um i did read today that uh jeff their new bass player they have to cancel a bunch of east coast dates because their bass player got shingles 
And if anyone uh, has ever gotten shingles, you know that it is no joke. It is quite possibly the worst, one of the worst things I've ever experienced physically. Um, Hmm. And it turns out, because people are like, wait, doesn't that happen like when you're old? And granted, I mean, I'm like, you know, middle-aged, whatever. But I knew somebody who got it in their 20s after a particularly stressful workout. I knew someone who got it when they were eight uh, during her parents' divorce. Like, it's stress. It's a nervous system response. And this was after a year of, I blew my knee out. uh, I crashed my bike and landed on this metal thing and cut the shit out of my leg. Got cellulitis. um, Healed up. It was just like physical uh, catastrophe catastrophe after physical catastrophe and then i was at the uh custom bike show the nab show in sacramento and i had this little blister on my side and i was like what the fuck is this and uh robert ives uh partner carrie she's like oh dude you got shingles and i was like ah shingles what i mean what is it just like a rash i can manage this and i called my ex who was on her way down i said hey could you would you mind running by a a pharmacy or something and just get something for this i guess i got shingles and she's like yeah what okay so the pharmacist recommends uh capsaicin cream Mm. which is basically it's like a hot pepper it's kind of a bengay sort of a thing it's like a oil from habaneros or something i don't know what it is but it's i think that's how you pronounce it capsaicin uh that's that band you mentioned yeah, exactly. last <laughs> so i rubbed a bunch of this on me and it kind of hurt uh but i was like all right so i'm just like burning it out that's what the pharmacist recommends whatever i ride across town that night because we're having a the <clears throat> blue collar party at this bar and i get warm my pores open up this cream makes its way into my pores into all of the ravaged fucking nerves of the impending shingles and i felt like uh i felt like it hurt so bad i felt like i was being cut in half i couldn't i couldn't wipe it off i couldn't get rid i just could i thought i was gonna have to tap out like i thought i was gonna have to leave our party hadn't even started yet and i could not put a fucking sentence together um and then finally the bartender was like, Hey, you want some beers? And I was like, yeah. And I slammed like three 16 ounce cans of beer and it kind of settled things, but it ended up spreading <laughs> all across my chest, all across my rib I thought, cage. I thought you were going to say somewhat. He was like, do you want me to pee on that? Cause that seems to be a real fucking spine to spine. And if you've ever had poison Oak, it feels like the worst case of poison Oak you've ever had on top of the worst sunburn you've ever had. It is fucking miserable so uh godspeed to jeff and mutoid man (laughs) (laughs) oh i can't believe so anyway i was at this show (laughs) i was able to circle back around and remember what i was talking about yeah yeah okay yeah the show so quicksand yeah so quicksand did this tour it's the 30th anniversary of slip the record uh their first record but uh that has nothing to do with my music pick, so I'm glad we could do all of that. Um, <laughs> uh, my friend, my friend Che, uh, put out his first solo record 20 years ago, and so he remastered it. It's a record called "All of Your Tomorrows Were Decided Today." Uh, it's not the record you have; it's the one that comes before that one. Hmm. Uh, it it is on Bandcamp for seven dollars. Um. Like the You're actual gonna love physical it. record? No, sorry. The digital download oh. is $7. Okay. Uh, but it's very, very worth it. Um, it's a great record. Che is a dear, dear friend. Oh, one of my very oldest friends. Uh, he is a behind-the-scenes um, genius. Behind-the-scenes genius of musical uh, creation, sound engineering, all of that stuff. So... Uh, there'll be a link, as there always is, but Che Arthur's record, All of Your Tomorrows Were Decided Today, is my pick. Very good. Yeah, they are great. And that was one of the first bands I think you turned me on to. Back when... That could be. 
uh, 14, 13 years ago when we were randomly emailing one another. I thought you were going to say 1432. I was like, yeah. Yeah, right about then. Yeah. Uh, yeah, real good. That's a, that's a good pick. Uh, my pick is the newest graveyard. I believe it's called Six, cause I think, I guess, because it's the sixth record. Uh, real good. Real, real strong. Uh, not, not my favorite. I loved uh, Peace and Hysinogen Hisin- Blues uh, like a whole lot. Those are both real bangers. Um, but I'm working on this one. And if you like Graveyard at all, then, then the new one is certainly worth investigating. How would you describe it? Oh, just like, like bluesy rock, but not, not like Leonard Skinner kind of shit. Just like, I don't fucking know. Everything that comes out of Scandinavia is great. You know, like oh, all levels, like Scandinavian rock is supreme. And, uh, shit, man, I don't know. It's just fucking good. And it's not like, All right. not real heavy, not, not ear splitting, not metal. Although it comes out on a, it's released on a, I think like a predominantly metal centric label. Uh, I don't know, you know, check it out. If you, I would say if you're curious at all, get Hysinogen Blues or Peace first and then kind of work forward from there. All right. That's what we got. I'm not, I'm not very, I'm not familiar with their OVRA. So I will, I will, I'll, I'll dip a toe in. I have a, a, did kind of a living will kind of a thing, you know, like bikes go here, records go there. Like I don't have that much shit, but like, I don't want anybody to have to contend with any of it in the event of my passing, like all of it in mass. Hmm. And now I'm just kind of like, I don't know, put it all in a fucking slingshot and shoot it into the ocean i don't really care or open the door and say like come in take what you want kind of a thing um but i did ask specifically that i would be cryogenically frozen and then a graveyard would play ain't fit to live here and then i'd be shot out of a cannon into the side of a strip club (laughs) so that's what i want done with my body either that or just put me on the side of the road and let me turn into flowers free free to a mediocre home um i would like to mention also musically it was a big week for me i saw on thursday night i saw pigs 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 Mm -hmm. that preceded that was the appetizer uh for the quicksand show but pigs 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 pigs, yeah they were they were man they're good yeah yeah they uh they're like over there a lot they're not over here a lot it's extra far to get to you yeah i guess so unless you go over the north pole yep and then yep i didn't ask them about it i didn't ask them about it but i i've been at both of these shows and without uh making any great attempts i i now i can't go to a show and not try to come up with a single question interview Uh uh-huh for the band which i have not yet applied i've not yet done it but at every show i i am formulating i could one it'd be anything you know like vans or converse they'd be like what and that's your interview it doesn't have to to be anything yeah if i had gotten uh to speak to walter at the quicksand show i was gonna say hey what do you think a, a decent mile time is I don't believe that you could put a sentence together if you got the opportunity to talk with him. I think you'd just be stymied. Yeah, you. Pointing <laughs> at you like I'm talking to anybody else right now. You just would be gobsmacked and you couldn't do it. And then you'd walk away and you'd say, I, did, I had a conversation. I had an opportunity to have a conversation with him. And I just stammered. And then I walked away. <laughs> that's what I think he, <laughs> would in, ensue. I mean, possibly that's what would happen. Yeah. I, I don't not very mostly people uh just make me tired so i don't know that i would be overwhelmed but i do i do think walter's pretty awesome he's pretty awesome he's so cheerful mm-hmm. he, he's so smiley 
uh, yeah, while he's playing. You, you saw the interview with him on two minutes to late night, two minutes to mm. late night, two minutes to yeah. midnight, midnight. Yeah. Uh, where he's talking about grabbing some fresh dog shit from a shag carpet. <laughs> and he's just like, you know, he's just, he's just like one, he's just a regular dude, just like us. Oh yeah. One p- puts yeah. pants on one leg at a time, grabs dog shit with his bare hand. Like he, he's just, he, he's just a regular guy. Just like us. Yeah. 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 So think about that. If you ever get the opportunity, just imagine him picking up some fresh dog shit from a shag carpet and then it might make the, the question, uh, uh, or the line of questioning a little bit easier to manage. Yeah. Yeah. I need to develop my techniques and also my, um, my, uh, go get it, go getterness, go getativity. Both. Yeah. I think both are. are work. Yeah. Cause I'm not making these interviews happen. No, you're not. Um, uh, what do you, what am I paying you for anyway? Yeah. It's a fair, <laughs> right? it's a fair, it's a fair <laughs> okay. question. Uh, uh, we got that handled. We, uh, we will take a step out of the room right now and somebody will come in and talk about a sponsor or advertiser and sing their praises. And then we will be back momentarily. Revolting is brought to you in part by Shimano North America and their new 105 12-speed mechanical group set. Over the last few seasons, the refined ergonomics and technology of their Dura-Ace and Altegra groups have arrived at the affordable 105 level. 12 speeds smooth out Shimano's already category-leading shifting technology, and the new 105 is reliable, simple to use, and easy to maintain. Available with either an 1134T or 1136T cassette, paired with either 5034T or 5236T chainrings, riders can climb more comfortably with an efficient cadence and still have big enough gears to prevent spinning out mid-descent or when sprinting on the flats. And we're back. What are we going to talk about today? Today we're talking about our propensity to collect shit. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not actual feces, although maybe you're going to surprise me with like, you know, jars full of this one is squirrel and this one is muskrat. I will not. What is it about the human psyche that compels it to collect objects and ephemera to gather too much of a good thing? Toys. Trading cards, perhaps. Bikes. Bike parts. Skateboards. Records. Tattoos. Today, we're talking about the things we've collected and why we're driven to do so, my friend Stevel. That's what we're doing. Uh, This comes at a pretty timely time. So (laughs) I have, uh, when I moved to Bellingham, I moved into what I refer to as a Dateline murder complex. Like when you see mm. like people who get murdered on Dateline specials, it's they live in the just generic shit boxes like the one I live in. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it was hard for me. This is that I'll get to why to like the meat of this in a second. But it was hard for me to move in here. I mean, beyond the fact that like my life completely fell down around my ears, I had to turn in credit scores. I had to turn in applications, rental histories. I had a, like I had to jump through a lot of fucking hoops and pay a pretty decent amount of money to live in this shithole and the people who live downstairs from me are consistently the most mouth breathing piles of fuck that exist in the world like white trash white hot trash and they just suck and they suck consistently and they suck soundly and there has been this fucking box this box Ball. I don't, I don't even know what the fuck it is. It's like a tweaker project. And they taped two boxes together and filled all the gap, like big boxes, filled the gaps with spray foam and then plastered the whole thing. And like, what the fuck is this? And it sat there and it sat there and it sat there. And I was like, I'm just wondering, like, what the fuck is going on with this thing? People had come over. What is that? I don't know, but you can always tell high art that's made by somebody who has a sheet pinned up in the window and a broken Venetian blind. Like that is, (laughs) that's the sign of somebody who's a real fucking bright mind, right? 
And then it started raining. So this thing has just been disintegrating into my walkway for weeks. And I'm just, I'm trudging this fucking slurry of soggy plaster into my house. And then the night before last, I knocked on the door and I, the guy opened and I said, what are we doing? I'm enjoying this story what so is, much. What is this? <laughs> we came out of the sponsor break. I did a little uh, setup and then you just lit a lit like yeah, a is, Molotov cocktail and went at this story. This is, this is brand new shit in my life. And he's like, all right, we're taking it to the dump tomorrow. And I said, all right, thanks. Go upstairs. I spent all day at my studio yesterday. Come home about eight o'clock at night. Sure enough, this soggy pile of shit still sitting there. I'm like, man. Fuck you guys. And even if they did take it to the dump, they would still leave plaster detritus all over the sidewalk. So I was just like, you know what? Fuck you. Fuck you. Assholes. Garbage collecting <laughs> pieces of shit. And I, I, I dealt with it, put it in the dumpster, swept all the plaster, or put it in the trash cans, swept all the plaster up, hosed down the sidewalk. And then I fucking narked on them. And I got a hold of the property manager and I was like, you got to do something about this because I walked around the back of the building and they have collected so much bullshit in their apartment. Mattresses leaned up against walls. Like, I don't know if it's like a grow operation or what the fuck is going on in there, but it's stacked to the rafters with trash. Wow. Did you inquire as to what the objet de art was? No, I don't fucking care. Fuck these people. You there wasn't a part of you that was like, look, you put some work into this. No, get rid of it. Fucking get rid of it. Now it's like, now it's, it's infringing on my ability to go in and out of my place, which I hate anyway. I don't hate, but I'm not crazy about it without tracking all your crap in, you know, like your mess is now crossed my little boundary. You can live in squalor, you can collect trash, you can do whatever your fucking people do, but, but now it's, now it's affecting me adversely. And, uh, so yeah, fucking, I knocked on him. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out. Uh, so why do people collect trash? Is it mental illness? I've lived in low rent zones that are, that are, uh, all different ethnicities and I like those I like living some people would call it the hood or whatever but I spent most of my adult life living in low rent zones the two times I've lived around like poor white trash it is next level bullshit constant grief neo-nazi fucking trash collector bullshit and I don't wow. get it. White people are broken. <laughs> That's the only thing I can figure. Like, this is just nonsense. Mm. Tweakers, man. Methamphetamine will do funny things to a person. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother, who is no longer uh, walking among us, uh, shortly before his his death, he said he, he lived in this... He lived in this little one-room apartment after he got divorced. He lived in this little one-room apartment behind the steakhouse in our town. And uh, I, I didn't say, I, I don't even think I asked a question. I said, oh, we're going. He said something like, oh, it'll be, I was taking him home from the hospital. And he was like, oh, it's going to be good to be home. And I was like, oh, you like your place? And he's like, yeah, he goes, most of my life I have lived in these little places surrounded by immigrants And I find that they almost universally make delicious food and are nice and want to share it with you. And it's just, I just like that. I just like being around, you know, people from other places who are grateful for what they got. It's it's community. Like, there's a thing I saw on the news. I lived like five blocks from the poorest neighborhood in all of the Bay Area. And then they, they interviewed people there and then they interviewed people in the richest in Woodside in the richest neighborhood. And this is like, you know, annual income of like $600,000 and up. And none of these people knew their neighbors. 
These people had heated dog walks that were big, like larger square footage than this woman's entire apartment. But people were fucking nice to each other and they looked out for each other. And in this neighborhood, there's no community. Nobody does fuck all for each other except throw garbage all over the place. Like that, that's what I've experienced among whatever, whatever, whoever these people are. And there is not, mm. there's not a, a single non-white person that I see on a regular basis in this whole zone. It mm. fucking blows. Mm. So I don't know. I think, I mean, I'm with your brother. Like, I don't, I li- this is like white, like white ghetto. I don't know what, else, I don't know what else to call it, but it's a bummer. And I wouldn't call mm. any of the other neighborhoods I've lived in. I wouldn't call them ghetto. I would call them neighborhoods with a lower general income, but they mm. were, but it was a community and people took care of it. Mm. So why do people collect trash? I don't know. <laughs> why do people collect trading cards or bikes or bike parts or skateboards? Uh, I don't know. I like records. I collect records, I guess, more than anything else. But I've gotten mm-hmm. rid of a lot of stuff in the last couple of years. I, you know, I had ton, I had 15 or 16 custom bikes. I had to sell all those. I would still have them. I loved having them. They were built by friends. You know, there was like an art collection. And I had to get rid of most of that. Um, is it something, is it something that makes us feel, uh, I don't know, established to some degree? Hmm. Like, I'm here, I still, I exist, you know, like, uh, like why people have monuments to themselves, like buildings with their names on it or whatever, like you're not going to be forgotten or something. Maybe so. I think for me, just my own experience, I think they're like the food pellets in the rat maze, you know, like I get, I, I collect records also. Or I collect, I have a bunch of bikes. I don't actually have that many bikes relative to how many I used to have, but it's like every one I like. Oh, I got, I got a bike and I liked getting, I, I liked the bike, but I also liked getting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I press the little bar and a food pellet comes out. I'm like, oh, I got a food pellet and I enjoyed the process of getting the food pellet. And uh, what you'll notice is that the rat will press the bar again because more food pellets. But like at some point, and I think, I think social media is this way too, right? Like you start to scroll, you see a picture you like, uh, that's great. You scroll, you see another one. Uh, and each one of those gives you a little lift, maybe a very, like almost imperceptible, but it's there. It's better than, uh, in your mind, it's better than sitting and staring at the wall. So you scroll and you scroll and you scroll, you're collecting these little Oh, that's nice. That's nice. That's nice. I feel like collecting is that way too. Like little serotonin boosts. Little serotonin boosts. I think they're bigger. You know, like if I get a new record, I'm pretty, I don't, I spend more time with it than I do an Instagram post. Right. Uh, you know, I'm looking at the album art. I'm listening. Trying to figure out how the alphabet works so I can put it where it's supposed to go. <laughs> Uh, uh, since, since having moved and having to downsize, I've reassessed, this has actually happened a couple of times. I helped, I helped a girlfriend move to LA one time and I, I came home and I got rid of everything. And then a short time later, I went back to Colorado and I helped my parents move. And then I went home and I got rid of everything else. Like, I don't need, I don't need all of this shit. I don't want all of this shit is too, it was too complicated was too difficult to be burdened by these people's stuff. I don't want that. I don't want to be burdened with my own stuff. Like I, I, I was able to kind of like see from a different perspective that none of this stuff makes your life any easier. Uh, yeah. And then when I had to leave the Bay area, I was like, all right, well, like, 
you know, I can only wear one t-shirt at a time. Uh, I guess I'll take a handful of shirts and a handful, you know, a couple of jackets and some shoes. And like, I, I, I don't, I have far less stuff than I did before, but I still, I'm at odds because in, on one hand, I'm a total minimalist. Like if I could have nothing, I would be cool with that. Like a couple bikes, one skateboard. And if I could figure out how to digitize my music collection, I think I'd be in pretty good shape. But on the other hand, I make stuff. So I'm constantly making these, I'm making paintings, I'm making drawings, and then I'm like generating this stuff that I then have to figure out what to do with. Hopefully I sell it. But if I don't sell it, I can't throw it away. I want to, you know, like I threw away so much fucking artwork when I moved, man, like decades of work because I, I was in duress and I wanted to disappear and I wanted any evidence of me existing to disappear. And I just wanted to erase everything. Um, and I realized in hindsight that that maybe wasn't, was acting a little impulsively from the best decision. Um, mm. so I'm kind anyway, I'm kind of constantly conflicted. Like I want nothing, but I make stuff. So how, where's the happy medium there? I think there's a certain, I mean, I feel, I feel, um, I feel that paradox of like my house is, and we've lived here for, oh, 13 years. And we lived in the house we had before that for 11 years. So, um, when you're settled, like I am, it's so easy to accrue stuff. Mm -hmm. Right. And I'm, I'm always purging, right? Like I know I have a lot of friends who have kids and they have all the shit the kids ever made. And I don't, uh, I don't have all the clothing the kids ever wore. I'm like constantly getting rid of things. But at the same time, I'm constantly bringing new shit in new bikes, new bike stuff. Um, yeah, records. Cause I have a place to put my records. Uh, I still have the baseball cards I collected uh, between 1982 and 1985. Mm -hmm. I still have them in a box somewhere because uh, I was super into that. When you have a space to keep stuff, it makes it a little more compelling to collect stuff. Yep. Yep. But we, you know, I, this is like a human, this is like a human thing, right? I guess squirrels collect acorns, but there's that's there's a practical there's a practical thing there. Right. Uh some people collect donkeys, you know, that's a thing. <laughs> mm hmm Um so, But like mostly animals are like, no, no, I'll get I'll get food somewhere later. You know, they're not <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, but you know, like crows crows collect things, crows collect little shiny things and they, you know, like I've read articles about people who sort of adopt crows and, you know, will start feeding them and, and then they, yeah. like, they know that that's a safe place for them to come and get food and for the, for them to come and have shelter or a break from living in the wild or whatever. And we'll start bringing like, you know, hair ties or pennies or we'll like amass these little collections of trinkets for the people who are nice to them, which I think is a pretty cool concept. Yeah, then we ascribe great intelligence to crows, but actually... Crows and ravens, they're both smart as fuck, actually. Are they smart or are they just fucking neurotic the way we are? You're like, oh, look, you brought me tinfoil. You're so smart. But actually, are they just so neurotic? They're like, look, I exist. I brought tinfoil. No, no. I've seen, like, I've seen them do puzzles and stuff that I can't figure out. You know, like it's, you're given this equation or you're given this problem and you're given seven sets of various rudimentary tools to solve this thing. And I'm looking at it. I mean, granted, I'm not sitting in front of it, so I can't like, I have no trial and error. I just, I'm trying to figure it out in my brain. And then the bird does the thing in one try. And then I realize, like, oh no, that's not how I would have done it. So yeah, they're pretty, they're pretty crafty. Sure. Uh, sure. I, I do, do wonder if there is some sort of neurotic something compulsion about collecting stuff, though. 
Mm, uh, yeah, mm. I think we'd have to talk to somebody who understands the human psyche better than either of us do. There may, maybe so because whether you're collecting cars or you're collecting garbage, uh, or whatever in between, um, maybe there is something that we're trying to fill some kind of void. I wasn't loved enough as a child, so I have to have to fill this hole in my heart by collecting thimbles or whatever the fuck. My parents had all kinds of random collections, like swizzle sticks and fucking coasters and shot glasses. And now it's ironically, it's all uh, uh, stuff associated with alcohol, which maybe wasn't an accident. Oh, my dad, <laughs> he, uh, he encouraged me to start a beer can collection when I was really small. <laughs> <laughs> which I later realized just gave him an excuse to drink more and different kinds of beers. But that was probably one of the first collections I had matchbox cars and beer cans were probably my two. But like you said, like matchbox cars had a practical application because they were fun to play with. Yeah. And I like the idea that like six year old Steve was like, I just got this little die cast 57 Chevy and the new Michelob can. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 1979 Pittsburgh Steelers championship can. Shit like that. Yeah. I got all I got all that stuff. So it's probably football cards, beer cans, and matchbox cars. I think those were the first things I collected. What about you? Yeah. Yeah, baseball cards. I was obsessed, but there was there's a whole weird thing about um statistics. Uh that a lot of kids, young kids get like really wrapped up in statistics. Like there was a time, so I collected baseball cards obsessively for a while and, and I still have them because I don't know, they're probably worth a dollar now. And, um, I used to sit with the bait. I was super into baseball, which is funny because I give zero shits about baseball now. But I used to sit with the all-time baseball record book and just memorize, like, who are the top 10 batting averages of all time? What is that? What's happening there? Mm, I don't know. You just got to, you have a thirst for knowledge about this thing that you like. My parents used to bring that up. They're like, how, how is it, you know, you can't remember how to do anything in school but you remember all of these BMX racers names and like bike companies and like which magazine this article was in or this bike test or whatever. And the only thing I could come up with is because that stuff is interesting to me. Right. Like school, not interesting. BMX, super interesting. Super interesting. Yeah. I collected star Wars figures. I think. Did, did you but, collect them like if fresh in the wrapper or were you? No, no, yeah, no. You were just collecting toys because a lot of toys are fun to play with. I was thinking about that as well. But that, again, is like Matchbox cars. It's just this thing that you get more of because the more toys you have, the bigger battle scenes you can have in the sandbox or whatever. But Rick Springfield, uh, Jesse's girl fame, he has one of the largest Star Wars action figure collections in the world. And, mm. and he has like Turkish releases of this one kind of this one doll and bootlegs and oh, he's got stacks and stacks and stacks and stacks of Star Wars figures. But when you're, and he wrote Jesse's girl, but when you're a rock star and you're traveling all over the world, I was in, Kirk, yeah. I was in Kirk Hammett's house one time and that guy's got a giant like Boris Karloff style, uh, like lithograph posters of old horror movies. And he's got the Prince Purple Rain white swan-ish looking guitar and uh, the pinhead mask from Hellraiser. And that dude, I realized when you are like that level of rock star and you travel all over the world and you have endless amounts of money, you can just buy shit, whatever the fuck you want. You want to buy Lemmy's top hat? That's cool. Go ahead. You can do that. <laughs> what? You just glided right past why you were in Kirk Hammett's house. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. A dude I used to know was his like personal assistant. They, I mean, they were just all like friends in the Bay Area music scene. And we went to Easter 
at another one of our buddies' houses, and then we came back through, and this dude, Chris, just lived with, lived with Kirk, and he would, like, you know, they'd travel with him, and get a call in the middle of the night and be like, hey, Bob, get three zoot suits and meet me at the, you know, in the tenderloin or whatever the fuck. Like, you can do anything you want when you have that kind of money. And so, yeah, Chris just, they asked him to play bass for him. And he was like, no, I don't, you guys are terrible. I don't, <laughs> he actually said, you guys are not very good anymore. I get all of the perks of being in the band without actually having to play your shitty music. And Kirk's like, all right. <laughs> fair, fair enough <laughs> well the thing is Kirk your first four records are really good but after that <laughs> yeah yeah and this this guy ended up blowing it so badly I think he he like I don't remember what happened but he wronged him in a in a pretty spectacular way and then was unceremoniously told to fuck off and keep fucking off until you get to the end of the road and then fuck off some more. So kind of, oh. kind of blew a golden opportunity. Uh, so yeah, the more money you have, the bigger things you collect, you collect real estate, you collect fucking people, yachts. I don't fucking we know. It's weird. We watched condition. that new Sly Stallone documentary mm -hmm. thing that's on, I don't know, Netflix, one of the fucking things. And he has, his house is full of pretty involved statues and action figures of himself in various roles. So weird. I could not, I don't, I mean, I'm sort of like, I'm just okay with the number of mirrors that are in my house. I don't want to see myself more than it's that. It's so weird. That is, that is absolute mania. But it reminds me of a cool story, somewhat related to cycling. <laughs> So Harrison Ford has two sons and I know one of them, not yet. Yeah. I know one of them. Uh, and he managed this like elite kind of elite road team in the Bay area. And they would, I'd see him around and we had mutual friends, but he and his wife had a little boy and his little boy was like bananas for star Wars as little kids often are, but he had a whole collection of all the different ones and he'd have he had C-3PO and he had Luke Skywalker and he had Chewbacca and he had his grandpa doll and he had R2-D2 and he would call the fucking Han Solo doll grandpa. And I was like, God damn, that is some wild shit. Yeah. So, yeah, Harrison Ford. Han Solo's my grandpa. Han Solo's my grandpa. He, he, could, he was real little, but he, you know, it's like grandpa. Grandpa and Luke are going to go have a battle in the, with the snow monster. Similar story. Oh, my fuck. friend Sue, my friend Sue is a school teacher at a pretty um, prestigious private school in Seattle. And she's taught um, the children of many of the kind of like tech moguls. And she, she had Bill Gates daughter in her class. And they were, uh, they were talking about it was like in math, they were talking about the binary number system and Sue said, Do, does anyone know what the binary number system is used for? And some kid raises their hand and go, oh, for computers. And then Bill Gates' daughter raises her hand and go, oh, my dad works in computers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Sue thought, yes, he does. Yes. Very good. He does. Very uh, good. Uh, so, uh, wait a second. Uh, so, so, Sylvester Stallone has a collection of himself essentially a lot which is a that's, lot that's and weird. like a lot of them are like very large statues like he's got the rocky mm -hmm. uh, hands over his head statue but like a lot of big um must have been expensive to get made i feel like i don't know if i had if there were like statues or action figures or whatever of me like I think I might get one just because I have, I've had such an affinity for toys in my whole life. I think I'd be like, yeah, this, you know, whatever, like a me action figure. That's cool. I look so much better without a shirt on when I'm you know, <laughs> like eight inches tall and it's like a nine pack or whatever. Uh, Do doesn't Donkey Lope Greg have an action figure of you? Uh, 
no, that uh, no, that was that little statue, the little clown statue that they found that was at the show, that they made like a little battle vest for and stuff. That was pretty funny. He sits in my studio now. He's like a little gargoyle with a little hairy armed gargoyle. Although they did use a magic marker to make his arms hairy and they made his arms hairy all the way up to his shoulders, which isn't fair because <laughs> my arm hair stops at my t-shirt line. That's just mean. Um, um, that was, okay, first thing I collected. Why, despite not having the money or space currently, what are you collecting now? And what do you, uh, what do you hope happens to all the shit when you're dead and gone? Um, well, it's weird because you I, you obviously didn't read the notes because you answered this question earlier. Yeah. You're going to be cryogenically frozen and fired into the side of a strip club. Well, for, for in all seriousness, like, I would like for things to go to people who want them. You know what I mean? Like, my parents don't give a shit about my bikes, but Gino and Robert Ives, they would give a shit about my bikes. Um, mm. nobody cares about like where my, the, my orange coveralls go. Like I don't have that much stuff, but the stuff that I do have would mean a lot to very specific people. You know, my art supplies, those should go somewhere. My fucking paintings. I don't really give a shit what happens to any of this stuff, but I feel like if somebody wanted it, they should have it. And and I if if one if some if one of my friends died, like having one of their bikes or having something of theirs would mean something to me, whereas otherwise it would just go to a thrift store or whatever, you know. So like, like I want people who want stuff to have stuff, if that works out, and if it doesn't, you know, whatever. I'm not gonna be any wiser, so. I hope it goes to that somewhere right. that means to, to somewhere where it means something to someone. Yeah, I think that's right. I, I think I'll probably be giving all of that shit away before I reach the end of the road. Well, yeah, but you don't know you, you're assuming that you're going to be like, Hey, you got, you got a, a year left to live. You're going to have some kind of like heads up. That's what I'm thinking. Like I get hit by a car. And then all of my stuff is just fucking, it's here to be dealt with by somebody. And I don't want them to be burdened with it. That could be true. That could happen. And, you know, you can't really plan for that. But, um, I, I, I realized I alphabetized my records the other day and I realized I have five different Misfits records, which is about four more Misfits records than <laughs> anyone needs. They're so good though. I love the Misfits. And I, I love the Misfits too, but I'm like, really five? You don't? Do you need? I don't know. Yeah, not really. Um, none of the new, none of the new shit, right? It's all the like the all the classic stuff. It's all the old stuff. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I can't like. Maybe I'm wrong, but like I don't listen to all of them now. I think when I maybe I hit seventy, seventy five, and I'm like, you know, maybe some some young some fifty year old whippersnapper would like four <laughs> of these Misfit records. I'll take. I'll take. Uh, one or two off your hands. I don't know. I uh, might have one Misfits record in my entire collection. Yeah. I don't know why I have five. I was looking through my record collection. I was like, I, and I've given a ton of records away. Um, because I used to get records just to get records. Yeah. Uh, and I had all kinds of everything, and and I really winnowed it down to stuff that I want. But even now, I look at my record collection. I'm like, what? What are you? What are you doing? Yeah. It's uh, not necessarily applicable to records, but my friend Bill used to say, bikes are like friends. You can't have too many nice ones. And I think about, you can't, you know, bike records are like friends. You can't have too many cool ones. And, but I think you just get to a point where you're like, I'm, I'm being, it's an, it's a little bit of an albatross and it maybe isn't so much fun to have that much shit around you anymore. Yeah, it's a big, heavy mess. Uh, right, my new policy is only buy records you think you probably listen to a lot. Mm. You know, I'm like, I was at the record store last week and I was like, I had a stack of like six. Well, that's like a thousand like, okay. dollars worth of records right there. Exactly. That's like a thousand bucks worth. This one I just think is neat. I used to really love it, but I don't need to have it. Mm -hmm. So I put, I ended up putting a bunch of stuff back. 
I've, There's also that 30th anniversary version of Slip with the 75-page <coughs> booklet in the middle yeah. that's 100 bucks yeah. that I'm, is still on my radar, but... I can't. I've, I buy far fewer records now that they don't cost ten dollars anymore. Uh, now that they cost like fifty dollars, like I don't buy yeah. records. Like used to go buy a hundred dollars worth of records and you walked out with a stack under your arm, and you still can, you know, with used records. But new records, like okay, cool, fuck, I blew like a week's worth of grocery money on two records. That wasn't very smart. So no. I don't really, you know, something like the Budos, the Budos band, just they, they have a new record coming out. And of course I gotta get that, you know, but that's like fucking $35 right there. That's a, like a considerable meal. I have to be a little smarter about how I spend the money I don't have. Yeah. Um, so that's what, oh, and books. I love books. Like I love art books. I don't buy a ton of them. Those also cost a thousand dollars. Yeah, each. I sold a ton of them when I moved, but I have some of my favorites, and I'm just like, I love them. I love looking at them. And what did John Waters say? If you walk into somebody's house and they don't have any books, don't fuck them or something like that. It, <laughs> he said it better. <laughs> but I like having some books. I, I like having you know access to like some of my favorite artists or some of my favorite photographers, and like like. It's all right there. And I think it, it's inspiring. It is. It is. It's really comforting. I think my art books are more comforting than anything else I collect because it, it, it lights a fire in my head, you know? Yeah. I think that's what a good collection is. It's stuff that does inspire you. Sure. And there are specific memories attached to acquiring each of these things and where you were, what record store, what bookstore, what conversation, who you were with, whatever. Um, yeah. So it's not only just a collection of physical things, but it's a collection of memories that are associated with them. And that, I think, maybe that's the root of it. Maybe. We have, we're shitty at memory, so we need these things. Right. All right, let's get to the would you rather, because we're burning daylight. Uh, would you rather do the cannonball run with Polly Shore as your co-driver, or do a three-day Scientology seminar with Tom Cruise? One thousand million thousand percent cannonball run with Polly shore yeah i think that's pretty obvious i'm not i'm not the best pleased with this would you rather <laughs> because yeah obviously you would do the cannonball run with Polly shore scientology what i called somebody called i saw somebody called scientology space mormons which i absolutely <laughs> adored Tom Cruise is a psychopath. I want nothing to do with organized religion, science fiction, any of it. No way. Cannonball Run would be a gas. And Polly Shore, I think, is probably like like current Polly Shore, right? We're not talking about, hey, yeah. buddy, you're a Polly Shore? Because that. Right. Hopefully your car is loud and you wouldn't hear anything that came out of his mouth. But maybe he's hilarious and fun now. New Polly Shore, like current, humbled normal poly shore he's great yeah do you have you been to his house <laughs> <laughs> yeah an earlier version of this had carrot top in it mm. uh well he is also super fucking weird but like seems like a good dude uh, tom short tom cruise is just a bit i think he's not he's just not a nice person anymore i think oh, he's I a little know. crazy I mean, you know, if you're famous, you're crazy. I think that mm. that's how that goes. Not Hugh Jackman. He's not crazy. He's the best. He is a, that is a huge Ackman. He's just a superhero. He's just a, a dancing, singing, shredded superhero. Do you think naturally, not, not as you see Hugh Jackman out in the world, but just naturally, would you say Hugh Jackman probably has hairier arms than you? Mm, no, kind of same, same, same amount of hairiness would you say you and hugh jackman have the maximum hairiness of arms no no not at all i'm like maybe just like uh slightly above average i went to school with a dude and he was like he had really really white skin and like jet black jet black hair but full five o'clock shadow every day thick like george the animal steel thick carpet of fucking black hair over he was like a gorilla mm. this guy and so 
like fucking men have body hair. We have like dumbed this down in such a weird way that now it's like every, like we are a society that is absolutely uh, fearful of body hair, which is weird because people have body hair, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I agree and, with that. Although I will say you might've noticed I have this, I have the beginnings of a Movember, Movember mustache. I couldn't tell if that was just a shadow or you like drank some <laughs> chocolate milk this morning or something. But yeah, you got a little bit of a, it's a shit yeah. stash really at this point. It's, it's a cookie duster is what it is. Mm-hmm. And, um, not even I yet. I was like, not yet. It's, it'll be there, but it's nothing right now. It's dirt on your yeah, it's lip. Pretty, it's pretty poor, <laughs> but it was November 1st and I hadn't shaved for a few days and someone said, Oh, are you growing a Movember mustache? And I was like, Oh, mental health. That's important. Okay. I'll do it. So then I started and that was seven days ago. So this is seven, seven, this seven days, which Good is. Lord not inspiring i've seen 14 year old uh, latino boys that have better mustaches <laughs> than you but wait a second i yeah, thought yeah. november was like prostate health or some other thing to do with balls or something what i didn't i didn't know it was mental health maybe i have it all wrong anyway i gotta <laughs> shave this fucking thing off my face because i hate it so much <laughs> yeah it's a bummer we used to have a it's mustache a- party like back in the day like before mustaches kind of like came back it was just sort of the 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 building surge before mustaches came popular again. And we would do a thing where we'd grow a mustache for a month and then we'd have a party and we'd have sashes and everybody who went to the party was an artist. So you'd have to, um, the entry was an, a mustache related piece of artwork and whoever won got first dibs in this pile of really cool shit, like sculptures and paintings. And I made a flip book. I took a picture of myself once a week for a year and you watch the mustache grow in real time. Like there was cool, oh. there was cool stuff. Um, but at one point, like I went in to, I was like going to kiss my uh, ex and she kind of recoiled. She's like, dude, what? That thing smells like Parmesan cheese. <laughs> and I was like, I couldn't smell anything. I mean, I washed it and stuff, but it was just like collecting. And mustaches are such a weird thing but the, oh yeah God, it was gross yeah i hated it mine is just a little fuzz but i hate it i hate it it's prickly it's, yeah it's just bad it'll grow out and it'll get softer but then you'll find like once it's long enough you'll start like chew like grabbing hairs with your front teeth and kind of chewing on them no i can't stand it it's just <laughs> not who i am i have like i have like probably two out of 10 arm hair and one out of 10 face hair. <laughs> my legs are a solid like six though, which is weird. It's weird. It's like all of the, I've got all the hair on my head, very yeah, thick yeah. there and then very thick on my legs. But in between, I guess, I don't know. That's, that's hairy. You got, yeah, I got hair a hairy chest. chest, but it's, it's, I'm just patchy. I'm patchy. I look like my friend, Sean, he's, uh, he, I think he's like mostly, uh, Cherokee and he has one chest hair that pops out every now and again he calls him little sweetness he's <laughs> <laughs> just one little guy right in the middle of his little chest sweetness. he's so proud of him uh, okay that, that's it we gotta get out of here before Dave Grohl shows up and starts spouting opinions if you haven't dropped a couple bucks in the tip jar the cycling independent gosh we sure wish you would on behalf of the revolting podcast and the cycling independent I'm Steve I'm Robot don't forget to suck it. Got it, yeah.